Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been getting some feedback from a lot of you, and it's really very encouraging. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that you would take time out of your life, first of all, to listen to my podcast, and then second of all, to let me know that you're enjoying it. That is so encouraging. So I really appreciate it. Things have been going quite well over here. Um, We're enjoying our summer. We're in August. I love August. It's my favorite summer month. And I still have some family visiting and I'm loving every minute of it. It's so nice. It's just like, it's kind of like a call back to my roots and it's, it's helping me see where I have grown from in a sense, because it's like these, these family members are these encouraging, wonderful people that have helped me grow so much throughout my life. And they help remind me of how far I've come. And it's just been, it's been very encouraging. And they also like, uh, they're also just so great at challenging me at helping me reassess where I'm at and try to understand again, where I'm going, where I hope to be. So it's been refreshing. It's been wonderful. Um, I've actually been doing a little bit of reading. I've been reading Rumi and I read this one poem that he did about a lump of dough and how a piece of dough needs to go through the fire in order to become a loaf of bread, a beautiful loaf of bread. And that, uh, like that, you know, is just so nicely put. I really appreciated the way that he kind of broke that down. And I know that there are many different kinds of versions to that idea. But what I came away with was just the, um, the reminder that what I'm going through right now, the stuff that's been going on over the past few months and also a lot of the changes that I've been going through is just me experiencing the fire. I'm going through the fire. And I just like, I really, it's, it's been nice for me to remember that and know that the stuff is not pointless and that it will, it will grow into and bloom into something greater than who I am right now. Uh, so that's been, it's been definitely refreshing. So speaking of refreshing, I got to do a podcast with Jessica Whipper and she, uh, she has the Instagram account mapping wellness. She is absolutely inspiring. One of the strongest people I think that I've ever met, um, she she has some chronic illnesses and uh, they really affect the way that she lives her life. And um, just listening to the way that she has to basically map out her week in order to know, like in order to accomplish just one task, like going out to meet somebody, which I know that I wouldn't really think a lot about. Um, it really opened my eyes to how we all, we have a limited supply of energy and how we need to be more mindful of how we spend that energy and how we spend our time. And she's so, she's so wise and it's incredible that I was able to encounter such wisdom from someone who's only in their twenties. And, uh, I mean, it's something that I'm thinking, wow, I still have so much that I have to learn. I really enjoy doing this podcast with her. She is just an amazing, amazing person. And I know that you're going to enjoy this podcast. So sit back, relax, or, you know, keep your eyes on the road. If you're driving while you're listening to this, shout out to Tom and, um, enjoy this conversation. Hey, everybody. So I have with me Jessica Whipper. Hello. 
And you're on Instagram as Mapping Wellness. That's correct. And I've like I've been following you for a while, and you have a lot of really uh, like very inspiring posts. Like, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how about we talk a little bit about, well, it looks like you actually have prepared some things that you're hoping to cover, which is awesome. <laughs> and so how about actually we just start with one of the first points that you were hoping to hit? Of course. So the first thing I want to talk about, I think, is burnout, because I think it's something that we all experience as individuals so often. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right? It's yeah. something almost everyone can relate to and it's not really age dependent. Everyone can experience it at any time, which is what I think is so intriguing about burnout to me. Actually, yeah, I never thought of it about it that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, my kids have definitely experienced burnout. Like you can yeah. see it when they are. Yeah, it's pretty relatable for everyone. And I think that the reason we find ourselves in that state so often is because we aren't as in tune with ourselves as maybe we should be. So we push too hard in the areas that maybe aren't serving us in the way that they should be. And then we find ourselves in this place where sometimes we don't even know how we got there, right? You're thinking like, when did it get so bad? Yeah, it creeps up on you. Yeah, and you feel like you're way down there by the time you notice. And uh, I think that's actually what happened to me. I was in a state of burnout for so long and I had no idea. I, I didn't know. Every time I thought about burnout, I thought that can't be it. I just must not be good enough. Like I must be doing something else wrong to not be able to meet the expectations that those around me meet so readily. Oh, oh my goodness. It's like you're speaking <laughs> to like my, what happens in my head. Yeah. Like it is like, it's like, why does everybody else seem to be able to do this? Like I'm, I'm doing something wrong because I can't keep up. Exactly. And at this time in my life where I think I experienced the most intense burnout I ever have, I was fresh out of school. I was in a new job. I was making good money and I was working with all of these older health professionals who were taking on so many patients and doing so much work. And I thought to myself, Do I need to grow as a practitioner? Like, what is going on? Why can't I do what everyone else is doing? Yeah. Yeah. But instead of looking at it and stopping and actually trying to fix it, I kept working. And that's when things got really bad for me. So what, like, so what happened? So at first it came on really slow. So things would happen like I would drive into a guardrail or run over a median and I would think wow, like work is really exhausting me. I can't even drive home at the end of the day. That's not normal. No. No. And then as we got further and further, I was thinking like, this is crazy. I can't believe that this job, which I was a massage therapist, it was very physical. Right. Yeah. But I was fit. I was healthy. Yeah. And you were like, you were very, like, very fit, like above average. Yeah. And I really prided myself in that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I really prided myself in the fact that I could do so much work Mm -hmm. and that I was so young and out of school and that I was working in a professional clinic. Like it was everything that I've ever wanted five years before I thought I would have it. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine the amount of pressure that would have come with that. Like to because it's like all of a sudden you have a lot to live up to exactly exactly and I was so ready to take it on I was so thirsty for more yeah and I don't know sometimes I think maybe I was so hungry to learn I just forgot about myself and I just let it go (laughs) yeah okay wait Kate you were so hungry to learn that you forgot about yourself yeah I just wanted to learn more to make others better right? I wanted to learn the latest methods. I wanted to touch all of the people I could touch to understand physiology. And I was so intense into my learning that I just wasn't taking the time for my self-care. I wasn't putting myself before my patients. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's not why I'm in the position I'm in now. But I think it played a huge part in it. I think that it broke me enough to get me to a place where I had no choice but to take care of myself. And it was through that that I got to this place. Wow. Okay. Do you mind sharing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like the what is going on now with? Of course. So yeah. I was diagnosed with 
myalgic encephalomyelitis, which is also called chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, And I was diagnosed a year ago now. And basically, it's a condition that is extreme unexplained fatigue. Nobody knows why or where it comes from, but it's not improved by rest. So no matter how much I sleep or do, I, I can't stop being tired. I'm always tired. And it's not just to the point where I feel tired. My body is tired. Like, I don't have good circulation. I sometimes lose vision. There are all these things that my body can't do because it doesn't have the energy to. So it goes far beyond I lay in bed all day. It's, it's so serious that if I don't take care of myself, I'm literally too fatigued to live. Yeah, wow. about... Fun fact for you, about one in four chronic fatigue patients is bedridden. One in four. Yep. And it's the hardest part about chronic fatigue syndrome as a condition is that it's a silent illness. So, I mean, I'm sitting across from you talking and I look just like everyone else. Yeah. And at the same time, it's an illness that a lot of people don't believe in. There's not a lot of research, it's not backed up very well, and there's not a lot of treatment options. So then how do you know when, like, when you're feeling tired all the time? Like, it must be difficult to be able to tell when you're not, like, when you're pushing yourself too hard or when you can have the energy to do something. And you exercise still, like, I see like you're still active and like, how do you do that? So it all comes down to an energy management and energy management is really difficult to explain to someone who (laughs) hasn't been, um, like who hasn't needed to manage their energy in the same way, because you're not just listening to your body. You're listening to your nervous system. You're listening to what's going on inside you. And it's a completely different kind of attunement to yourself. Um, You're learning how to tell what your needs are before they actually come up. Oh. Yeah. Which actually, like, that totally sounds like something all of us need to be able to do. But because we don't have an illness that really puts it in our face as much, it's much more difficult for us to feel the need to do it. Exactly. And that's exactly why I wouldn't change what happened. Wow, you wouldn't change what happened. No, because it's given me the mental clarity and the understanding that I don't think everyone gets. And I think the people who do get it, get it just like this, through a situation that pushed them maybe in the wrong direction, maybe in the right direction. Wow. And um, you, another thing is you're, you experience physical pain. Yeah, pretty much 24-7. Is that also part of the um, chronic fatigue, what is it, sorry? Chronic Chronic fatigue syndrome. You can say CFS to make it easier if you like, but um, yeah, it totally is. So another thing that's so difficult about chronic fatigue syndrome is that it presents different for every single person. So some people can't walk upstairs. Some people can't walk at all. So it's really, it goes from one extreme to the opposite extreme. When I was first diagnosed, I was sleeping 18 hours a day. I did not see light. (laughs) Um, I, you know, was so sick that I would use the bathroom in my own bed. I couldn't get up. Um, My fiance would have to come home on his work break to take me to the toilet. And that's, that was reality for a really long time. Wow. Yeah, it was really hard to go from being a fully functioning person to feeling like you have no function at all. Yeah. Yeah. But then getting it back is so, it's bittersweet. It really is. What makes it bittersweet? Because you feel like you get to find yourself again. I get to re, I'm, every day I get to find things that bring me joy. And they bring me joy in a completely different way than they used to because so much has changed. Oh, wow. Is it like, um, when you have, like, the only way I can even try to relate to this is, like, when, like, I've, like, I got Lyme disease last summer, mm-hmm. and so I was in bed, and, like, and I was very tired and um, had a pounding headache 
for at least three weeks straight and was, you know, physically in pain all the time and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that, when I was finally able to like start getting up out of bed and that kind of thing, it was like the simplest act of just getting up and being able to like make breakfast for the kids and like get a cup of coffee was just like this is the best exactly okay and that's how everyone should live right yeah it is every moment can be the best moment Mm. it's so easy to forget that Mm -hmm. I forget it every day (laughs) I have to reteach myself but once you figure it out it's so worth it wow yeah, I always thought, you know, if I can just get a diagnosis, if I can just get a diagnosis, like everything will be okay if I just know what's going on. Because I didn't know for so long, because it is such a strange condition, such a unique condition, right? Yeah. Um, and then I finally got my diagnoses and nothing changed. And of course it didn't, because putting a label on something isn't going to change it. But I think it was learning that. That made me appreciate every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. So then, okay, so each, each like, when we met a while ago, mm-hmm. um, you were explaining to me what your week generally looks like and mm-hmm. how it's like you, you have to plan out your week and it's like you have this certain amount of energy and then you are then basically assigning this chunk of time to using up 20% of your energy and then that chunk of time to use up 5% and like it's incredible how you need to plan that out based yeah. off of your energy and how did you come around to like thinking of it that way it just happened and I wish I had a better answer to this question because I I do quite get it quite often but it just came I just accepted that this is it for me. And once I accepted that and I stopped trying to be something I couldn't be anymore, I started to get better. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Mm -hmm. Um, because, so you were diagnosed a year ago. Yes. And you were bedridden. Yes. And then you started to be able to get out of bed again and and exercise. But very slowly, just like you were mentioning with your being able to make breakfast or being able to get a coffee. It started with, you don't have to come home to take me to the bathroom today because I can get up once to go to the bathroom. And then it went to, I can start showering again because for a long time I had to decide, am I hungry or am I dirty? Because I can't make food and wash myself. I do not have the capacity for it. Wow. Yeah. And it really, it really shows you the things that are important to you and what matters, right? Because you'll be gravitating towards picking that every time. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And then was it something that you could notice a difference each day? Like, or was it more weeks that you noticed? Yeah, so they say the average time, the average, it's between three to six weeks. So uh, for me, I can increase my activity by 10% every six weeks. And just to give you uh, like a picture of that, if I can walk 10 minutes, I can walk 11 in six weeks. That's how slow the progress was. Um, I went from laying all day to not in 10% increments. And it takes a lot of planning and a lot of work, but it is doable to do that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is just such a different way of looking at how our energy works. Mm -hmm. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, so if you think of it like you have a battery, just like your cell phone. Right. And you plug your phone in every night before bed. Mm -hmm. And what if one morning you wake up and your phone's only at 20%, but it was plugged in all night? That's my body. I can be in bed all night and still wake up with only 20% of my capacity. And 
are you able to, like, how do you assess that in the morning when you wake up? I can feel it now, but I couldn't for a very, very long time. Um, But it's tuning into the things like I woke up with a headache or I woke up and I can't walk on my left leg. Well, maybe you shouldn't walk today, you know, maybe you should do something else. I really learned that my body doesn't do well with pressure and force. So, and this is difficult as well, because there's a fine line between being forceful and lazy, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, it was really difficult to figure that out at first. And for a really long time, I thought, why am I so lazy? Why am I so incapable? And then as I began to understand my body more and as I've been able to tune in to these things, I've been able to realize what makes me more fatigued and what takes more of my energy. Because the thing a lot of people forget about is that just like a phone, we have one battery. So whether you're going for a run or talking to friends, you're still draining your energy from the same place. And it's hard to understand because sometimes when you come home, you have app, you just you can't talk to anyone. You've been talking all day and you're exhausted, but you could do a workout. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it's a different it's a different type of stimulation, but it's all coming from the same battery. So if I can split that up during the day where I say, you know, I have this much physical capacity, this much room for social interaction, I have this much room to be creative, and then I really try to harness those parts of me that are able instead of just focusing on the ones that don't work. Oh, whoa. <laughs> See, now that's making me think of like how, um, like for myself, when I'm, I, I um, like, so I, I see primarily stay home with mm-hmm. my three kids. And, I, and, you know, obviously, like, that just means that I also am taking care of the house and that kind of thing. And um, Sean is, uh, especially during the summer, he gets really busy because he does videography and photography for weddings. So that can take up a lot of weekends. And then he does other projects and things like that. So it can make it so that I'm home with the kids and I'm taking care of the house. And all of a sudden it's like, I hit a point where I just can't clean the house anymore. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you saying that I just like made it click. It was just kind of like, yeah, that's like, I've exhausted that Avenue. Exactly. It's such a valuable oh skill for everyone to be able to tune into themselves enough to feel that. I remember walking down the street and this is probably a year ago mm-hmm. and turning to my partner, Zach and being like, I think I, I can feel my nervous system. <laughs> and he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I feel something happening inside me and it feels like it feels when I'm going to have pain later. And that was the first time ever that I was able to tune into myself enough to figure that out. And I was so excited to be able to tell that I was going to have pain later. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, so you're sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling right now? I mean, I have my normal level of pain. (laughs) So every day I have very deep, boring joint pain. Um, It gets better and worse, and it really depends on the time of the day. When I first got sick, evenings were my time. I would get out of bed at like 5 or 6 p.m., stay up till 8 or 9, and go back to sleep until 5 or 6 p.m. the next day. As my condition has changed, I get up early, I get up at about seven o'clock and I will stay up until about six o'clock and that's when I get in bed. Um, But when I'm sitting here, I still have that dormant pain. So usually around three o'clock, I start to go really, I I go downhill fast. My pain increases drastically. And in the evenings, I spend most of my time sitting or laying. Um, But it really does depend on the time and how I manage my energy. So for example, I've figured out that I can probably handle two outings a week. So I know, you know, on Wednesday, I'm coming on this podcast. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm laying down and I'm preparing for that. And I think that's so okay for me to do that. I'm so okay with taking that time to make things better for me in the long run. Wow. Okay, well, thank you so much for investing your week 
into coming on to this podcast. Anytime. And I like so what will the next like what will the rest of your week look like after like so I assume that today you'll be going home and resting. Yeah, I'll probably head right to bed and then I will get up tomorrow evening to have dinner with a friend and on Friday's my birthday, so I'm hoping I can thanks. I'm hoping I can save enough energy to see my friends on that day and kind of hang out. But other than that, this is my activity. And I will go home. I will rest. I will get up a few times during that. But for the most part, I'll be resting. And does resting mean like um, in bed sleeping or does it mean that you're resting your body? Yeah, that's a great question. So it really does depend on where I put my energy. Okay. Like I was saying earlier, right? There's social energy and physical energy and all these different kinds. Um, And I often find that they all drain me the same, but still in different ways. Because your body can be tired when your mind is still active and your mind can be tired when your body is active. Right, yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, so figuring that out. But for a lot of my rest, it's tech-free for sure. It has to be tech-free for me. And it's, yeah, either semi-recumbent or laying down. But I'm not always asleep. Sometimes I'm resting my eyes. Sometimes, you know, I'm just laying there. (laughs) Do you get bored? I used to get bored, but I rest productively now. And sometimes I even plan rest. So I will literally plan rest into my schedule that I cannot move to pre-rest up for something so that I can then expend my energy. But it's like everyone else. I could go out today and, you know, run a run and hang out with friends all night and not get up for the week. And that was a decision I used to make, right? But this is much more maintainable and sustainable for me and I think much healthier overall. So, yeah, because, like, when, I, when I'm thinking about resting, like, you know, when you get sick, you're kind of like, hey, at least I can, like, watch TV, Yeah, so for me, watching TV is very stimulating, right? And that's where the fatigue, when I said earlier, it's a different fatigue than just being tired. That's where this really comes in. It's so much fatigue that I I can't really take in those visual pictures and listen to the sound. And I, I, I can't read because, again, that draws energy. And when you are chronically fatigued, you just, you really don't have any left. It's not... I could get up, but I mean, I am really tired. You can't. You just, you really can't. It's that plain and simple. Like, you feel like lead. And, okay, so then can you sit and think, or do you actually, like, do you need to turn your brain off as well? Um, I would say for the most part that I turn my brain off. Yeah. Yeah, I go into a meditative state. Um, meditation is something that's really, really really restorative for me it's really helped me especially when it comes to figuring out my body and what it's saying to myself just spending time listening to me has made the biggest difference yeah so it is very much like a meditative state I I'm not asleep but I'm not awake I'm just there huh I I find it really inspiring that like you have limited energy to put out every week Mm -hmm. and yet you still manage to make like in the time that you have you make a huge impact and that's incredibly inspiring and it makes me think like you know how everyone's you know the saying I'll sleep when I'm dead yeah (laughs) um you defy that yeah but that's the thing with our culture right now it's they're always talking about hustling and getting a side hustle and having your job, but something that sparks your passion. But what if you just live, right? What if you just listen to your body instead? Which is something I was the opposite before, right? I would be all about hustling and doing more and working harder and getting somewhere better and bigger. And, you know, that's not always better for us as individuals, Right, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that, within society, that's an aspect I just really don't like or agree with. 
anymore. Wow. Um, and I think I think that that's very uh, that's a very interesting point to make when we are living in a place where it's kind of like, well, what do you mean you don't do anything in the evening? Like it's always like you. It's you know one of my favorite activities, and I, I don't get to really do it as often. But one of my favorite activities is sitting and watching Survivor with my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like on some nights we order Thai food, we sit, we watch Survivor, and it's like it's so like it's something that we enjoy doing together. We're eating some of our favorite food together, and it's just like it's the best. It's something that I look forward to every week. And exactly. Yeah, and. Um, it's funny because then like I have the, like, I do have some friends who are, or I know some people who are, um, owners of companies. And when I reference like watching a TV show, they're kind of like, you have time to watch TV. And it's always a negative connotation on it, right? Yeah. (laughs) I don't have time for that. Yeah. So what? <laughs> I do, and I like it. And I like it. It's how I restore myself. And it, it also makes me wonder if some people actually get restored by doing that work. And they might, right? Because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. I know for me, people suck my energy out. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not a people person. I love interacting with people when I'm interacting with them, but I can't be that person 100% of the time. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, exactly. But there, I know so many people who, when they're not that person, they're unhappy, mm-hmm. right? They they love pleasing people and being around people and hosting and all of that stuff, which to me is kind of a headache. Mm. I, yeah. I totally understand that. It's funny. Um, like between Sean and I, he's the, he's extroverted mm-hmm. or I, I know that we're kind of getting out. I, it seems like that's a bit of a fad, you know, introverted, extroverted, and we're seeming to get out of that fad now of like mm-hmm. defining each person as that. But, um, but Sean very much gets his energy from being around people and doing stuff. And that's, it happens rarely, but every now and then he's like, I need to not be around people anymore. But it would happen more often to me. <laughs> exactly. So it's like I have to, um, I'm starting to become more aware of how I am when mm-hmm. uh, I used to like wait until I got to the point in a week where I'd be like, all of a sudden somebody would want to hang out or like even um, a thing that kind of happens is like one of the kid's friends wants to come over and I feel angry. Yes. And it's just like, how dare you want to come and take some of my time? <laughs> and then it's kind of like, oh, I've gone too far. Yeah. And you know what? When that happens, that's your sign right there. Bingo. I need a break. I need to stop. I need to get away. Mm. I need to do some stuff for Ruth today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that for me, I know that people take my energy because it happens with everyone. And even with the people I love, my partner, my family, I love my family dearly, but they take my energy. Yeah. Even though I love them. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's how I know that I can't be around people all the time, no matter who they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's um, pretty much the same for me, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm starting. I'm like, I'm just starting to kind of figure that out because I really do love people. And like, I, I mean, I have a podcast that like, I'm just like, I, where I talk about how much I love people on it. Like, it's like it came out of my love for people. Mm-hmm. I love people. <laughs> I can't be around them all the time. And I can't be talking with them all the time. I need to have my time where I'm alone and where I can journal and read. Yeah. And just like, and sit. But see, the fact that you've figured out your sign that tells you you need alone time, you've figured out the things you can and can't tolerate, and you know that reading and journaling are restorative for you. So you're on a fantastic path. Thank you. Figuring it all out. (laughs) But I I definitely think I spent a lot of my life um, just thinking about the future, right? Everyone does it. I want this career. I want to live in this area. I want to have this many children, right? Whatever the case may be. We all have dreams and goals, and I think that's fantastic. But I do think that we eventually outgrow the things we thought we couldn't live without. And I think that if we're living in the future consistently, first of all, when are we taking in the present? Because that moment's gone after it happens. But 
Second of all, your future is going to change however many times before you get there. So what, what's the point? I'm not saying you don't have aspirations. Definitely, right? You should work towards things, but the present is the only moment you can never get back and we're not living in it. It's just crazy to me to think about that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This actually reminds me, like it makes me think of a conversation that Sean and I were just having on Sunday where we were talking about um, just like how he was actually, it's funny. He was, he was giving me a compliment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sunday was actually, it was a very sweet day. We had like some family time and everything. And then Sean was sitting there and then he's like, you know what I love about you? And then he started listing off some things that he loves about me, which made me feel like a million bucks. Um, but then one of the things that he said was that he was watching me when we were, we were at the beach the previous day. And he said that, um, I, like I was walking down the beach with Picard, our dog and looking at the ocean. And he was just kind of like, you were just like really soaking in the moment. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and I just really enjoyed watching you do that because, um, he was saying that, I had helped teach him how to soak in the moment. And as he was saying that, I was thinking like, uh, I was thinking I'm actually starting to not do that as much because I'm getting involved in, um, I'm getting involved in the hustle. Like I'm starting to think like about the podcast and these other projects that I have on the side. And I want to get all these things done and be like a, highly productive person Mm -hmm. and I when he was saying that I was thinking like thank you for reminding me about one of the things I actually really liked about myself because I was moving out of that Mm -hmm. that's so sweet that's such a wonderful moment Mm -hmm. to experience but you're absolutely right and I think that I've I know I've said this to you before but the hard part is taking what you know and applying it to your daily life So you're on the right track, right? You're learning about mindfulness. You're getting in tune with yourselves. But taking that and actually using it when you're out and about, that's the difficult part. That is absolutely the difficult part. I love sitting and thinking about all these ways that I can um, live a richer life and like be philosophical. I love having these kinds of conversations with people. And then when I'm actually out in the, the... in the field mm-hmm. <laughs> and have an opportunity to actually apply what I've learned. It's like, I'm so strained already from like the situation, like I'm strained and distracted and just kind of feeling like my mind is like kind of bouncing everywhere. And it's kind of like, I'm so used to allowing these knee jerk reactions to take over the way that I live my life that I, it takes, it takes time for me to actually remember like, Oh Yeah. There are all these things that I've been spending time to try to like figure out and and enrich my life. And I'm not using that right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first started my meditation journey where I decided I was going to seriously meditate every day consistently. And throughout this time when I was doing that, I would notice little things. Like, for example, I would go to the cupboard and I would open the cupboard to get a snack And I would look in the cupboard and be like, wow, I'm not hungry. And I would close it again. And it took me so long to realize that that was me becoming mindful of my own body. I actually took the time to think, you're probably doing this out of habit. Are you hungry? Responded to myself and closed the cupboard without putting thought into it. My body just did it because Mm. I know myself now. And I think that that's the beautiful part about all these little lessons when you start to see them come up in you know your daily life or with even with your children like how many things about yourself are you seeing through them right I think it's yeah that's the wonderful part about learning all of this yeah oh I love it um you like when I'm following you on Instagram like you have such words of wisdom which seem to be well beyond your years Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume that a lot of that is attributed to what's been happening to you over the last, like how many, how many years has it been? Like two, it's been two years. Yes. It was a long time coming. Like with these illnesses, it's really hard to pinpoint when your symptoms exactly started, but I would say, yeah, two years is the time that I've been very, very ill. And 
you do you have more than have you been diagnosed with more than one illness yes so i also have pot syndrome which stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and basically it's my blood pressure is all over the place um i have a really hard time getting blood to circulate around my body i often have blood pooling in my limbs and i faint a lot i fall over a lot especially from going from sitting to standing. And that's actually what was happening when I was mentioning to you, like driving into guardrails or running over medians. A lot of that was fatigue, but it was also um, a little bit of loss of consciousness. So my body just has a really hard time regulating blood pressure and getting blood around to all of my limbs. How do you, like, how do you counteract that? So right now I need to drink a lot, a lot of water, like four liters a day. And I take an electrolyte solution on top of that as well, which is basically salt water. Um, and the salt helps to stabilize the blood pressure. Um, and I wear full leg compression stockings most days, which help the reuptake of blood. But apart from those things, the next option will be medication, which is not an avenue I've explored yet for POTS. <laughs> and does POTS and, oh, I've forgotten it, the... Chronic fatigue? Chronic fatigue. Um, do those um, work with each other? <laughs> I, they often go hand in hand, yeah. So a lot of people will have both. Uh, they're not, there's not a lot of research on why. Um, there aren't a lot of answers around that, but it is definitely common to have both. Interesting. Yeah. So basically, when I go from a seated position to a standing position, my heart rate elevates by more than 40 beats a minute. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. And that in is that the POTS? That is the POTS. Yeah. So everything blood pressure related, anything that has to do with any orthostatic tension in my body, that's all related to the POTS and not the chronic fatigue. But... Uh, blood pressure can also contribute to you being feeling more tired, right? Exactly. And this is where you have to be really mindful, not just of your blood pressure, but of everything. Because even something like coffee, for example, it's an energy boost for everyone, mm -hmm. but it's also a crash for everyone. Right. And if a regular individual crash is pretty heavy, how heavy am I going to crash, Right. So my body is just way more sensitive to everything. <laughs> wow. So, um, so then what kinds of, like, are there certain kinds of foods that can also affect your body in the way that it like, like crashes or of like course. more energy? Yeah, yeah. And the biggest thing for me, and this is actually something I've only figured out within the last six months, my eating, it's not just... I eat fairly healthy, which I'm sure you know from following me, but mm -hmm. I have no choice anymore because as soon as I eat something that is either super heavy or super greasy or super difficult to digest for anyone, um, it's even harder for me. At the start, I was eating a lot of mashed or pureed foods because my body didn't physically have the energy to break down food. So I was losing a lot of weight because I wasn't eating anything because I was too tired to digest it. And that's a level of thinking that people don't put into their bodies. Nobody thinks, do I have the energy to eat this candy bar, right? Yeah, no. And I just decided, like, I only have 20% of energy a day. I'm not eating. I don't have time for that, right? I want to read a book or be inspired or get outside. And that was really dangerous. So learning from that through a lot of supplementation and really going back to basics. Um, the, <laughs> the suggestion for me is to chew my food between 50 to 200 times before swallowing so that my body can break it down and can get value from it versus losing my appetite. Whoa. Okay. How long does it take you to eat a meal? Well, my meals are very small and they're very spaced out. So usually I don't eat anything at all till two or three in the afternoon. And then when I do eat, it's um, a lot of greens, food that's finely chopped and cooked usually. And before that, I was eating a lot of raw food because I was very into 
that lifestyle, right? Raw food is incredibly healthy and good for you. So is cooked food. But yeah, um, yeah, that was a huge transition for me, especially where I am so focused on health and fitness, deciding that I had to eat more cooked stuff and that I had to eat a lot more grain because I can't digest all this fiber. And when your body is, so when your body is too tired to digest the food, you actually lose your appetite? I lose my appetite, yeah. I don't, there were weeks where I was eating like 100 calories a day or less, which is like one vegetable. It's nothing. Because I was just so tired. But not eating then also contributes to fatigue. Right. So I have to, I had to find this balance where I knew these are the things that I can eat. These are the ways in which I can eat them. And this is how I can prepare them. Because when I was bedridden, it was often baby food because I could leave it next to the bed, pick it up and eat it. So the transition period there was really, really huge. Like I'm getting back into solid food now. I'm eating one meal a day which I know is very little, but it's a good full meal, not a powder. And that feels really good because when you are supplementing all of your nutrition through powders and liquids, it really sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine. It's just the same flavor and it's all the same texture and the things that we enjoy about food just aren't there. Yeah, like one of my favorite things to do is eat. (laughs) (laughs) The experience of trying something new and experiencing the flavor. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I love cooking. Like that's cooking for me is a mindfulness practice. It's a creative activity and it's fun. Like I really enjoy it. So it was super difficult to be, be cooking meals I couldn't eat because sometimes I would make dinner or not be cooking at all. Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, so this really, like, it affected every aspect of your life. Every aspect, and that was what was so difficult, because I identified with how I ate, and I identified with my job, and I identified with my physical activity, right? I was very athletic, that was what I did, and then it all went at once, and yeah, that was really difficult, right? It stripped back everything that I identified with, and I felt so raw, I just, I didn't know if I would ever find stuff that I would enjoy, like the things I used to enjoy. And I found, I find it interesting that you said that it stripped back everything because, um, I know that my, for myself, Mm -hmm. I've been coming to a point in my life where I'm kind of starting to recognize parts of me that I identify with like parts of me that I'm like this is me and then and then I have to be like no that isn't me that's a like a part of like the outer shell of me but what but who am I actually exactly and that and it seems like this kind of forced you to ask that question Mm-hmm. Well, whether we realize it or not, all of the people in our lives, all of the things around us, the activities, our social groups, they influence us and they, they put things on us. And we might not even be consciously aware of the way that they influence us mm-hmm. until they're all gone at once. Right? Yeah. Because suddenly I wasn't a part of um, any communities. And that's when I started to build my Instagram community. Huh. Yeah. And what, like, what was the, was there like one main thing about yourself that you learned when all of a sudden everything was stripped back and you were raw? Was there one particular part of yourself that you were like, that is actually me? No, there was nothing. And that's why it was so scary. Um, I couldn't identify with anything. Um, just to put it in perspective, like I used to have really long blonde hair and I had to chop it all off because I literally can't hold it up. It's too heavy. So that's my physical appearance, not to mention bodily changes from not exercising as much, but then my social groups are gone. I couldn't work out. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't get to the toilet. Like I didn't identify with any part of my life. None of it. Wow. Yeah. But now I identify, I identify with the same things that I used to, just in different ways. 
And I didn't realize I could get to the same place in a different way. Okay. That's inspiring. So um, I have one last question that I like to ask everything, everybody that's been on the podcast. But before I ask that, I just want to make sure that there wasn't anything else that you were hoping to add to the podcast yourself. No, I think we covered a lot. It's okay. good. Yeah, I feel like we covered a lot. That was really interesting. Awesome. Um, so then the question I like to ask everybody is, what does it look to you to be mentally healthy? So for me, being mentally healthy is being in touch with myself. It's recognizing that I need something or that I need to take something or find something before I get to my end. It's knowing ahead of time what I need so that I can take care of myself before I get to a spot that I can't get out of. Wow. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, I found that like with each person that I've had on the podcast, when I asked them that question, everybody has provided such insightful answers that it's really helping me start to redefine my idea of what it is to be mentally healthy. And there's also, it's amazing because there's a little bit of each answer that I can directly relate with because it's kind of like, that's, that is part of like that, where I want to go. Mm -hmm. And it's inspiring and it helps give me like that energy to, to keep going and keep pursuing. And yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to come on this podcast because I think you've created that environment for all of your listeners. Thank you. You're welcome. I really appreciate you taking your week to be here and be on this podcast. You've, Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've shared so much valuable information and wisdom, and I'm very appreciative of it. Thank so. you so much, Ruth. You're welcome. It means a lot. <laughs> yeah. And to everybody who's listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And um, just, I just hope that you know that wherever you are, I am sitting here loving you. So I hope that you have a wonderful afternoon, evening, night, morning. <laughs> And I will be talking to you again soon. Bye.